unwritten rules, they're so natural to us. And unwritten rules, they're a part of a very deep form of communication and expectations. Unwritten rules cause uncommunicated expectations. Uncommunicated expectations break up marriages, families, and businesses. What are your values, your tenets, your culture? Ooh, and have you ever considered what your unwritten rules are? Hi, I'm Deva Mills, the Rebellious Recruiter. Have you ever heard the phrase, beat them over the head with the Bible? Or the concept of beating sense into a person? So much corporate capital is spent on companies using culture to recruit, and an equal amount of time is spent on communication, it seems. And yet, there's a gap. Today, we're talking about the gap. The gap is what we beat into people. The gap that is caused by your, mine, and our unwritten rules and uncommunicated expectations. Pull up a seat. Let's chat. In your business or profession, there are things that make you stew or frustrate you. I have a friend who works in mortgage. You know what makes her stew? People who say it's tacked on the back end. Or maybe someone who works in customer service and they revile at the term, the customer is always right. Well, let's face it, the customer isn't and the customer throws that one around all the time. It's quite annoying. Ooh, how about this one? Treat your employees like business owners and they'll perform better. Well, each of those scenarios could be right, given the context, given the contract, given the situation, given the fine print. And more often than not, the context, contract, situation, or fine print is not used in the final declaration. The final declaration creates a stereotype that is often not correct. Then trouble starts when you have two people on two different playing fields espousing the same things based on, you guessed it, assumptions. Now we've created an unwritten rule. Unwritten rules serve no purpose. The issue is that we all have them and we all base our communication on unwritten rules. Take, for instance, an Aboriginal group in Australia. I can't pronounce the language they speak, but the link to a great article is in the show notes. They don't have words for left, right, in front, behind. Everything is a variation of north, south, east, and west. Also, a person from this culture, if they were to point behind them, they would actually point at their own chest. So being from the U.S. and raised as a person who understands the rules of English and how to speak as an American with mostly European roots, I would naturally understand them to be talking about themselves, but they're simply pointing a direction. If I was to point at myself, they would understand that I'm pointing behind me when I am actually communicating about myself. This isn't just specific to this culture in Australia. There are instances of this type of communication around the world. The point here is that when two forms of communication or two people communicating operate from unwritten finite rules, we tend to misinterpret each other. Then what's worse is we hold the person accountable to our understanding and they get mad at us, at you, at me, for their understanding and us holding whatever against them. So let's segue here. 
we used to have company mission statements. Then we added company visions. And then values came online in many different forms. We finally added Simon Sinek to the equation, and we have our why. These are all great things to have. But what are you doing to inform your staff of what the mission means? How the vision plays out? What do the values look like in day-to-day practice? And finally, why do we do what we do? But where is the legend to the map? What's the how in this? What does respect look like at one company? It can be wholly different at another. I worked at a company where we spoke the truth, even if it hurt. Many employees use that as permission to slam people. That being said, if one was to sit down and speak to the CEO, he was adamant that speaking the truth, even if painful, was not licensed to purposely hurt people. Obviously, for some, that context was missing. What we had was employees, when disgruntled, they might not have been fully trained, and they'd use the values to talk about where the company failed. Or better yet, people, when disagreeing, using company values to beat down the other person so the first one feels superior. You know, beating them over the head with the Bible. The first place you can start establishing a common language with employees is before they become an employee. Talk about values on your website as to how it plays out as an employee. When you interview a person, give them information on what aspects of your culture might look like. Ask them a question. Listen to their answer. Then explain what might be different in your culture as to the answer they gave. Don't hold them accountable to unwritten rules. They might be saying behind me, and you might be seeing them point to themselves. Get clear on what they mean and make sure they are clear on what you mean. I was in a forum recently, and a poster asked, what type of answer do you want when you open the interview with, tell me about yourself? The responses and expectations were very curious. Here are a few of the responses. I edited it so no one in particular is called out. One business owner, they wanted to know about hobbies and personal life. It's interesting that one of these people who was talking about this said that they wanted that info because they can't openly ask about it. Another said they want to know about their out-of-work activities and determine if it complements the desired work ethic. Someone else said, I want to know they focus on personal productivity. Another answer is, I don't want them to focus on things that seem negative to me. Then we had the succinctness of their elevator pitch. Another one was how vulnerable they chose to be. Their ability to concisely speak, a clear vision or purpose, their passion, energy, and excitement. Whoo, that's a lot they want from that question there. Yet another answer was, what have they done in the past that shows they could do this job? With another respondent saying, well, what they think defines them and put their character on display. And finally, how they prioritize giving information on themselves. So you know what's crazy about all these answers? Candidates are judged on their response without context. A candidate opens up about their personal life with one interviewer, and it's awesome. The next one thinks they aren't professional. The next automatically makes it mean they can hold a schedule. It's all assumptions caused by unwritten rules. One person pointing through their own body but you see it as pointing at their own chest. 
I don't know about you, but starting an interview and an employment relationship with unwritten rules is wholly unhealthy. What perception are you creating about your business by asking a question and not having a common language or a Rosetta Stone for your candidate or employees? The issue is that most of us have asked this at one time or another. The variety of expectations is ridiculous. There's no clear communication in that. So give examples on your website. Talk about the culture in the first interview or phone screen before you ask questions. If you explain what information you are gathering and why it's important, the candidate will give you relevant information that will allow you to see if their style works or if it doesn't. Let's look at these assumptions each interviewer wants, and let's create a relevant line of questioning that's not based on unwritten rules. Okay, if you want to know about hobbies or personal life, you need to have a valid reason for this. So maybe you're hiring a gaming coder and the person has no paid coding experience, but they've been self-taught. In that case, asking about how they learn their hobby, what classes they've taken, what podcasts they've listened to, what YouTube channel is helpful, that's all relevant. So ask, how did you come to enjoy coding? Or what has been the most interesting problem you've solved when you were learning coding? Or even, what's the neatest trick or shortcut you've learned? Talk to them. Engage their desire for fun or problem solving. One of the next bullet points that I was talking about up there was work ethic. Simply put, their hobbies and how they organize their schedule has nothing, nada, zip, zilch to do with their work ethic. Remember, some people work to support their hobbies. Some people have no hobbies because they like to work or they have kids or pets or a house or laundry. I hate laundry. If you judged my ability to do work over my detestment of laundry, is detestment a word? It it wouldn't be right. You can't use that as an assumption in an interview. So talk to your candidates about communication practices when they have a late project or how they get answers to a problem that they encounter. Do they talk to coworkers? Do they Google it? Do they ignore it? Do they say it's not their job? You're going to get a lot further talking to them about problems and how you solve them and their work ethic within that, then making an assumption that, tell me about yourself, somehow meshes with work ethic. The next one was personal productivity. So, you know, that's an awesome interview conversation to have. But assuming it comes out in the first two minutes of a conversation with a generic question, not so much. I talked about this two episodes ago in Camp Cadavers and Crappy Questions. Ask them, What tools have you discovered that made an aspect of your job simpler? Talk to them about how they schedule their day. Ask them about how they set deadlines and estimate deliverables. Ask them how many one-on-ones they need with you to remain clear on goals. You see, that's a productive conversation. On to the next bullet. So what if you're the interviewer that doesn't want people to focus on the negative? Well, I've got news for you. If a person's looking for a new job, most likely there's a driver behind them that's not too positive. We can talk about turning lemons into lemonade, but it takes sugar. Your interview and potential job, that's a bit of the sugar. Listen to the driver and the negativity and ask them one of my favorite questions straight from episode 007. If you could change one aspect of your job, your position, or company 
that you've been working for? What would you change and why? Don't avoid the negativity. Get into their mindset to find out the driver behind it. Sometimes there are some great ideas that haven't been listened to. Then on to this elevator pitch, their succinctness of the elevator pitch. Really? You ask them an interview question to tell you about them. It's open-ended and you expect a 20 or 30 second response. Either the person expecting this has ridden in long elevator rides or doesn't know that an elevator pitch is just a couple sentences. Yes, there is a pitch component in an elevator speech. If you want to hear their pitch, just tell them, give me your best elevator speech about you. Again, be direct. Tell them what you want in this conversation. Don't ask them one thing and expect they're going to deliver another, which leads us to the next bullet point. How vulnerable they chose to be. That was what one interviewer expected to hear in Tell Me About Yourself. Now, I'll bang the drum on this a lot, but you should never, ever expect a candidate to wear their heart on their sleeve. Besides, do you want them to be vulnerable with you at first? Because that means they're going to get vulnerable with your clients and possibly your income. Nah, you want them to open up in some heartfelt way. You're going to need to open up first. And asking them to come out of the gate and being vulnerable? Nope, bad call. They are likely to close down more. If you have that expectation, hold it for later in the interview. Ask them what their greatest learning experience has been and that learning experience, how it's affected their career. You might be surprised at what comes out and it'll likely be more vulnerable. So what about the ability to concisely speak a clear vision or purpose, passion and energy and excitement when asked to talk about oneself? Well, for sure, all you're going to get is the ability or not to speak concisely. I think if any one of these questions is subject to unwritten rules and assumptions, this is it. If you want a person to tell you their career vision or purpose, ask them, tell me your career vision or your career purpose. But please don't hold them accountable to your visible level of passion and purpose. Some people are passionate and don't show it. Others are excitable which can be mistaken for passion. Nothing wrong with asking a person about all of this, but don't assume it means anything about how well they can do the job. So another unwritten rule that comes up is when the interviewer wants them to relate their past experience and how well it means they can do the position. So some interviewers start with, how does your experience relate to the position we have here? I wrote a blog post about this a while back. And with all the information related to this ideology in the tell me about yourself, it's in the show notes, the link to my old blog post, but the TLDR, too long, didn't read TLDR, is that most of the time this has been asked and the company has not provided enough information to the candidates that they're applying because the website is anemic when talking to potential employees or the ad doesn't give a good view of what is vital to the culture or it's too positive and there's no weaknesses or uniquenesses apparent. Don't make the employee do a sales job on you without information, or they might pitch the wrong solution. If this is important, you need to find out what's important to the candidate first, then have a conversation about what's important to them, cross-referenced with your expectations. Okay, only two more unwritten rules to go around the question of tell me about yourself. But as you can tell, this is just a drop in the bucket of unwritten rules because there's millions of interviewers here in the States. 
So what the candidate thinks defines them and how they put their character on display. That's what one interviewer wanted to see. So honestly, this is a head scratcher. Why would someone launch into what defines them? And if they do, are you going to make assumptions about their judgment? Some people are defined by their parents abandoning them. Some are defined by their military experience. Some are defined by becoming parents. Honestly, if your goal is to get this response, you're not only going to be sorely disappointed, you might garner some information that isn't usable in decision-making processes. If you want to go this direction, ask them this, who is your balcony person? This is a great question for recent college graduates. Otherwise, it doesn't work. So what's a balcony person? Well, we've all had one or we have one. It's the person cheering us on from the sidelines. They aren't a coach. They aren't someone we've trained. Their role to one's life is that of a cheerleader. I've had great conversations with recent college grads, and I've learned what they do, why they do, when I've learned who their balcony person is. So last one, how they prioritize giving information on themselves. Okay, I did save that one for last. You know why? Look at all these answers people have expected from, tell me about yourself. Then you have a candidate walk into an interview. They've diligently done research on how to answer this question. They know you could be looking for any one of these responses. So how the heck do you expect them to prioritize giving you this information? What priority do you expect? Here's a hint. If you expect business conversation, ask business questions. Don't expect them to read your mind. So I've got a challenge for you. Reflect on your unwritten rules and then write them down. Your unwritten rules are key to your culture. You can bring on talented people when you stop it with the unwritten rules. Tell them the rules. If they want to work in the environment of your rules, they will. If they don't, they won't apply or they'll step out of the interview process. But document your expectations and get clear on the communication you expect. And then let me know how it goes. Thanks for listening to The Rebellious Recruiter. A quick reminder, I'll be bringing you new information every Monday and an occasional interview later on in the week with another thought leader. Be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening to this and comment, rate, and review. And share this podcast with other leaders that are looking to build out-of-this-world teams and maybe have a penchant for defying best practices. Go ahead and check me out at millsgroupllc.com and drop me a line there with your thoughts or questions. I might use your subject matter in upcoming shows. And thank you for listening. I know you only have so many hours in the week and I'm grateful to spend this time with you. Until then, make it a great day. I'll see you on the flip side. This podcast is produced by TH3 Entertainment.